friends, Laura Johnson here from Tickle.Life, and this is Back to Basics Sex Ed 101. This is the podcast where we break up myths and build up facts about sex. And as always, I am joined by my incredible co-host, uh, the Tickle.Life in-house sex educator, Lulu Batista. How are you doing today, Lulu? Hey, great. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year. Um, and today we are joined again by the Tickle.Life COO and head of education, Angel Russell. Angel joined us last week uh, to discuss non-monogamy, and they're back with us today to help us talk about STIs. So Angel is also a <laughs> sexuality <laughs> education provider for the Jacksonville Center for Sexual Health, and their work has been included in the Teaching Safer Sex Abridged Edition book uh, for the curriculum developed by the Center for Sex Education. So once again, they're giving us all of their knowledge and we're so excited to have them back. So thank you so much for being here, Angel. Thank you. Yes. Uh, STIs, what a fun talk. <laughs> mm. <laughs> we're going we're to make it fun. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, well, look, you want to start your new year off right. Yes. Um, you know, so so let's just <laughs> let's give start it off by saying if you were unquarantining during the new year. Mm-hmm. Go out and do your annual STI test. Yes. You right do now, it the COVID, anyway. line is, COVID line is long, so you might as well go ahead. <laughs> Get your STI <laughs> testing. Do it anyway. If you and your partner are leaving the house, if you and your partner are sexually active, don't make assumptions. Just keep it as part of your regular healthcare routine. Don't stay in the habit. Like just go ahead and get tested. If you have health insurance, it is covered. Like almost every single healthcare plan recover, uh, uh, will cover this as preventive medicine at least once a year. If you don't have healthcare insurance, I don't know that there are very few places, at least in the U S where there is not, um, within driving distance, a free clinic that will mm-hmm. offer you for testing. So treatment can be a little dicey, but like, te- but at least get that testing done. So Definitely. that's my, my PSA for the year. <laughs> Perfect. And it kind of leads into uh, a little bit of a disclaimer before we get into some of the, um, other stuff. Uh, so we just wanted to mention that you're not doctors and we're not giving out medical advice, but we are providing you with a whole bunch of resources and talking about the various experiences to help you make the best decisions for your health. So as Angel was saying, get tested, stay in the habit of getting tested. Um, if you're feeling a little bit weird, if you don't think you have symptoms, just get tested for STIs frequently. I will say you do not have to go to a doctor to get tested. Oh, so yes. um, most, most testing professionals are not doctors. In fact, most testing professionals don't have advanced degrees at all. Testing professionals are people who have been through specific training with their local health department. They are certified. They have been trained. They are able to educate you. They're able to provide testing. And then in every case, they're also able to help connect you to treatment resources. So that is why there's so many testing resources available to people. In fact, you can even test yourself at home. There are, again, it can be income restrictive, but like my lab box um, is a place that will send you kits depending on what you're getting tested for. There are different organizations that will just send kits to your house for free. You can go to your drug stores and there's a lot of kits on the shelves of the drug stores. So it is the actual act of getting tested is is becoming easier and easier and easier all the time. And there are fewer and fewer excuses not to do it. And so if you're like, I don't know what to do it. And you don't listen to anything else in this podcast, reach out to us and we will help you find testing in your area. Like, don't let that, 
don't let the, the lack of awareness be a reason to not take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. I was totally gonna um, say that before you even you took it right straight <laughs> from you. You did like a Hogwarts e- experiment. I was gonna say I see those tests all the time at every pharmacy. You know, you can right there. We go. You can <laughs> ask the pharmacist there. Maybe if you're not sure, so you know it's out there. Listen, it's a touchy subject, just like with any subject when we're talking about anything in a sexual manner. We understand sometimes it's a little bit taboo for people. They feel apprehensive. They don't want judgment. But listen, you rather know than something worse happens to you or you transmit or whatever it is. So it's better just to know and just get that relief off of you. Think of it now as we think about these COVID tests. When you yes. go to get tests, you can't wait for that um, PCR to be like, oh my gosh. But let's do it the same way. Let's think about it in the same manner. And yes. just know that you have done everything you can do to be safe. And unfortunately, sometimes it's just not enough. And we just have to move on and do the procedures or take the medication to help us stay on the right track. Exactly. I love the comparison to COVID because people are really thinking a lot about healthcare and testing right now. It's just the big CDC push, get tested, get tested. And it's the same thing. You get tested and your results are what they are. And then you get treatment and like, that is it. And you do your best and you hope for the best. And honestly, your outcomes with STIs are less scary than your outcomes with COVID. Like, especially the, and just like with COVID, the earlier you detect it, the better your outcomes are going to be. Like if you detect your STI status early, treatment is phenomenally amazing. And not all STIs are curable. Some of them are not, some of them are, but they are all of them, all of them are treatable. And so there's no, no reason not to get tested because the sooner, you know, the sooner you can do something about it. And there's so much access to medication and resources that people just don't even know they have. So again, if you're not sure, just let us know, email us. We'll help you find the right place. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) I was an STI um, testing education specialist for a long time. And so I'm very, very passionate about getting people. Like I did a lot of community outreach in this area. So this is like my favorite soapbox to get up on. No, I mean, it's incredibly important and people need access to the right information. They need to go, they need to know how easy it is to get tested and how to get treatment if they, you know, wind up you having something. So Okay, so what are STIs, or you might know them as STDs, they are sexually, it's the acronym stands for sexually transmitted infections or diseases. So you might see STIs used when you're looking for information or STDs, the the term STD used when you're looking for information. Um, And they are passed between partners during sexual activity where there is genital to genital contact, genital to anal contact, or mouth to genital or anal contact. Some STIs can be passed through pre-cum, semen, vaginal fluid, blood, and through skin to skin contact. Uh, The only way to prevent STIs 100% is by staying abstinent, which means that you're not having sexual contact with another person. But most people will have some form of sex, either orally, vaginally, or anally, at some point in their lives. So it's important to know how to have safer sex to significantly reduce the risk of getting an STI. So we're going to talk about some of the ways to have safer sex. And one of the best ways to jump in, Laura. Yep, please do. I listened to something you said, and it's so important that people do not realize the pre-cum is so 
important. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, I can't get an STI off of the pre-cum. I can't get pregnant with pre-cum. Listen, it's still bodily fluid. It still can transmit. So when people are like, oh, no, it was just pre-cum. There's no way. It still counts, guys. So yeah. be careful still. When you hear that, they just think it's like when you're trying to shoo away a bug. Oh, pre-cum. It's nothing. Don't. No, it's it is. It's, it's still something. Something. <laughs> So don't disregard the pre-cum, please. <laughs> just in, for all the things. For pregnancy, yeah. for STIs, for all. Yes. <laughs> Take it seriously. <laughs> so, yes. And there's our 15-second clip for the Instagram story. <laughs> <laughs> don't disregard the pre-cum don't on a t-shirt. Like right. on a bumper sticker, on mugs. Like that's the campaign. Put it everywhere. Back to basics. Don't disregard the pre-cum. Like, <laughs> on a condom, for sure. On, on condoms. Condom. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like don't wait to put your condoms on until you've been having sex for 20 minutes. Like don't like <laughs> we <Right>. do this. <laughs> somebody Uh, take that down as a note (laughs) god right somebody's like oh i've been doing that wrong (laughs) order of operations condom first then sex (laughs) exactly uh so speaking of condoms um so the best way to reduce the risk of stis is using a using the barrier protection which are condoms and these can be latex or polyurethane condoms um for the penis there are vaginal condoms, um, which can also be used in the anus, and there also and there are dental dams, which are often using use, excuse me, often used for vulvas vaginas, but also can be used on the anus. From this, the CDC recommends the use, the correct use of latex condoms, which reduces the risk of sexually transmitted diseases. They still use STDs instead of STI, but and the human immunodeficiency virus, which is HIV. And they also, in addition to latex condoms, they also recommend polyurethane condoms as the alternative to latex. So for anyone who had latex sensitivity or allergies, polyurethane was the condom that they recommended. Is that accurate? Yeah, or like latex free is 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 how they're usually labeled. Yeah. Is it'll okay. just say that the content the it doesn't it, it will say like polyurethane on the box, like in the ingredients. Nobody's looking at that. Yeah, it's usually just labeled as latex free. And like, you'll see like that it's less effective than latex, but we're talking about like, minutely so like not in a way, um, the honestly, the biggest uh, destroyer of condom efficacy is human error. Um, If humans just used condoms correctly like we're taught correctly how to use them and use them again that order of operations like used them at the appropriate time didn't reuse condoms didn't try to double up on condoms didn't um you you know took care of their condoms so they weren't broken like if if we didn't have human error uh we would see a higher condom efficacy rate and i don't i polyurethane again like is like slightly less effective um for i think specifically for uh is it pregnancy or STDs? one of the two polyurethane is slightly less effective but we're talking about not i don't want to scare people away from using it if you have a latex allergy because what will happen is you have a latex allergy and so latex will feel terrible to you Mm -hmm. and so then you won't want to use the latex free because somebody will have said oh those aren't as effective another option for people who have a latex allergy and um are uh, concerned about polyurethane condoms, um, or are concerned about lambskin condoms, which are, um, distinctly less effective is using an internal condom or like a vaginal condom. They're, uh, they used to be marketed as like female condoms, but we just right. market them. They're actually just called internal condoms now. Okay. Um, cause they're nitrile. You can get them latex or nitrile and they're, um, 
just as effective as using a regular latex condom and they're super, super comfortable to wear. And you can put them in up to like eight hours before you have sex. And yeah, so I, I'm a big fan I just, of those. I, I do love those and I wish they would bring them back more um, freely as it were, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, to get them now for a lot of us, you have to go to the doctor, they have to kind of order it. It's not as accessible as the regular condom. And I wish, and I hope that through all this that we're doing, that we can get more of that conversation going because that is also a thing that I think is bringing people like, to get STIs and those things because there's not a choice on both ends. Mm-hmm. They feel like the person with the penis should bring the condom when in fact the person <laughs> with the vulva, if it was more accessible, could have their own already and already be prepared for whatever was going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. So, well, and two penis havers can also use these condoms. Yeah. Like they can be, it's okay. I like, I posted about this on Instagram once and the FC two people blasted me because oh it boy. is not, it, 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 and it's fine. I get it. It's not an FDA approved use to use them for anal sex, oh, but okay. and because, because <laughs> Because an internal condom has like a little plastic ring in it that keeps its structure. So that what happens is like the ring is like flexible and you like kind of pinch the ring closed. Like if you know what a Nuva ring is, some people are listening, but aren't watching you like pinch the ring closed and you sort of insert it and it opens up against the cervix and that like anchors it there. And to Mm -hmm. use it for anal sex, you have to pull the ring out. And so you've now like altered the like structure of the condom, like according to the FDA, like approval. So it is going through like the process of getting that approval, but I had posted like a, how to use this for anal sex on Instagram one time. And the FDA, the FCT people were like, just for the record. So like, but you can find those instructions online of how to mm-hmm. do it. Um, and so, yeah, you can use it for anal sex and it does make anal sex really comfortable, but I'm going to actually pop a thing in the chat. You can go straight to the FC2 people and get an online prescription for female condom or internal condoms, and they will send them to your house and awesome. they will also, they will also help you pay for them. So there's, um, like apps that they use to make it so that the prescription is like five dollars a month so yeah because i've had you know a lot of people asking and you know that's something that we want to dive more into when we're showing the regular condom as it were in quotations guys for those who are just listening in quotations the regular mm-hmm. the well-versed <laughs> the condom we, we all think of as condoms room. yes <laughs> right 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 we want to have that other option we want everyone to know especially the people who we are not to say that we're not building a foundation for everybody, but for our younger generation who has never even get a glimpse of it, we want them to know that they are other options. You do have a voice in the choice that you use to put in your body. Yes, 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 100%. <laughs> yes. So to make sure that the um, condom you're using is going to be effective Um, In reducing the risk for STIs, you're going to want to check the condom's expiration date, check for tearing, don't keep your condom in your wallet uh, because it's not a healthy environment for that (laughs) condom, store it in a cool, dry place, make sure to use water-based or silicone lube with your condoms, not oil-based lubes because that can destroy the condom and make it less effective, and also don't use two condoms at once. So, and that also includes using an internal and external condom together at the same time. Yes, so, but you can use a cock ring with a condom. Yes, yes. So you put the condom on first, then you get your cock ring on. So you can use both. So mm-hmm. yes, say, oh, but well, don't double up on condoms. Do- yes, right. <laughs> please. <laughs> 
Make sure to use a new condom every time you have sex. Don't who's take who's walking condoms. around with that. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, that's how they used to do it though. Like when, um, like the, I'm watching right now the show, um, call the midwife. Have either of you guys watched this? Okay. I've heard of it, but I haven't gotten into it. Yeah. So, um, and this is just one example, Harlots. It's on Harlots too. If you've ever watched the show Harlots, um, they're both period dramas and in both of them, they, there's a depiction in call the midwives is just one episode, but in Harlots, it's like the whole show is about, um, prostitution, like, er early uh era prostitution so not like yeah. now not like sex work now. yeah and so um but they but condoms were a, a long time ago they were like animal skin that's where lamb skin like evolved oh. from they were like made of like animal skin and you had to reuse them you had to rinse them so you would you you would use it and it was still better than using nothing but they like had to get cleaned out but this has been so long ago that no modern day human has an excuse to be doing this like this is right. not like a thing we should still be doing and you can get them for free from your health department or like just call me anywhere them you can get them yeah. right you can get them from lulu every time i walk yes. around you want to come like, they're like what are you I'm doing like throwing them at people. <laughs> yes but yeah i can't i have always have them on me my mother like i i put them in her person she gives them out to people like i it's constant so yeah, there's no reason not to um, use a fresh At one, all. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, for sure. So, and I did like the no oil-based lube. It's very popular right now to use coconut oil as lubricant. Yeah. Please oh remember, gosh. I'm not going to come to your house and take your lube away, but please remember <laughs> that um, co coconut oil has not been scientifically tested with your condoms. And we know for a fact that oil will break down the latex in your condoms. Um, so please be careful about combining an oil-based lubricant with your condoms, especially if you're using latex condoms. We sell lube everywhere. You can go to Singular.live. You can hit Angel up. You can hit me up. We have lube. It's available with the condom. But don't feel it way. You can get it. <laughs> you can get it. Exactly. You can get it. So. <laughs> so why don't we get into some common STIs? And, you know, we don't have time to talk about every single STI out there, but I have links to the CDC. There's a great article on tickle.life where some of this information comes from. Um, so there are a lot of different resources you can, that we're gonna link to and give you access to um, so you can look into some of these things. But okay, so let's start with herpes. Um, this is one of the most common STIs worldwide. It comes in two forms. Uh, the first strain is HSV-1, and the second is called HSV-2. HSV-1 is most often associated with cold sores, which you know appear around the mouth, and HSV-2 is most often associated with genital sores. However, it is possible to transmit herpes from the mouth to the genitals and vice versa. Um, herpes symptoms can be treated with antiviral drugs, but the virus itself cannot be cured. Um, herpes can be transmitted even when there aren't sores or any other symptoms. However, the use of antiviral drugs can reduce the chance of shedding the virus or passing it between partners, even when you're asymptomatic. So herpes is one of the most common STDs worldwide, as I just said. From This is data according to the World Health Organization. 13.2% of the world's population aged 15 to 49 years old have HSV-2, and 66.6% of the world's population aged 0 to 49 um, have HSV-1. So this is incredibly common. Do either of you have more information about herpes or, uh, I don't know, anything else? I just, I would like to say for people's sake, you know, and 
Maybe it's a new relationship. Maybe it's a seasoned relationship and maybe a partner has an outbreak or something. Don't give this judgment, right? Yes. Yeah. Please. <laughs> and don't make the person feel shamed for this. It's not something they said, oh, let me go and get this. You know what I mean? And please keep between you and your partner. It's not a news story. Don't make the person feel less than. For yeah. me, honestly, that's the most because it's not easy. You know, it just could, you could have got this outbreak from anything, from stress, from, you know, just whatever. And you already feel a way about yourself. It, it burns your mouth. It's uncomfortable. You're looking at yourself and you don't like it. So for someone else to make it a spotlight does not help a situation in any at all yeah. <laughs> that's and there's, like, there's like a common trope to use herpes as like a sex joke in yes media. and it's just like and it really is stigmatizing for something that a lot i mean 66.6 percent of the world honestly has a that statistic it. is low because it's yeah you can't, yeah. Te- you can't test for herpes you can test right. for antibodies but you can't mm-hmm. like testing for it is expensive challenging it's not straightforward and so um and because it's asymptomatic most of the time Mm -hmm. um a lot of people won't ever even attempt to get tested because it won't occur to them and so but but could still potentially spread it Mm -hmm. and so like honestly a more accurate estimate is probably like 85 percent of people and yeah it just be and again it's really hard to tell because it's the kind of thing where we don't have accurate testing numbers on this for like again it it just depending on if you've had outbreaks depending on if you like what kind Mm -hmm. of testing you're getting depending on like there's a lot of things that go into it that are a little outside of what we have time to talk about Sure. But yeah, that's a really low, that's honestly kind of a low number. And, and so we're talking about something that most people, most people have, most people have it mm-hmm. and we all know someone who has it. And mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't get it, even though it's in the STI category or STD category, a lot of people didn't get it from sex. A lot of people got yeah. it because their aunt with cold sores kissed them at Christmas when they were a baby <laughs> and now they get it or whatever. And so like, we don't, and there's this myth that um, we like stigmatize it on a hierarchy. So like, if you have cold sores, that's fine. But if you have genitals, herpes, you're gross, right? Like right. there's this, uh, and we used to, okay. So this myth didn't come from nowhere. We health officials used to tell people that you could not get oral herpes from your genitals and you couldn't get genital herpes, that they were too, that you couldn't pass them from mm-hmm. your mouth to your genitals and back. Like it was two distinct kinds of herpes. We now know that is not the case, that if you have HSV-1 and HSV-2 can both show up on either your mouth or your genitals, Mm -hmm. you can pass either one back and forth from either part of your body. And so even though HSV-1 typically looks like oral and HSV-2 typically looks like genital, it is not confined to that. And so um, there really is no reason to like, have this hierarchy of herpes and actually other random fact there's like eight kinds of herpes that routinely infect humans we just have these are the two most common but yeah herpes is a is a very prolific and again that that comment of starting out lulu with like don't shame people like i we give so much education to individuals with herpes of like how do you talk about it and it puts so much pressure mm-hmm. on like we don't do that like how do you tell people you have strep throat like we don't do that with other things <laughs> yeah. but like somehow it's like 
like it's the onus is on you to not make people uncomfortable. And yes, you have a responsibility. Just like if I have strep throat, I need to tell someone before I make out with them. Like, I'm not going to go make out with my husband while I have an active strep throat infection in my mouth. I'm going to take antibiotics and deal with it. Right. But like, which I guess is more comparable to gonorrhea, but you guys get it. Like, I, but like I, I, but I, at the same time, it's also like, if I went to my husband and I was like, oh man, I got strep throat. He's not going to be like, get out of my house. You know what I mean? He's not going to make me feel bad. He's going to be like, let me make you some soup. And also like pat your forehead and we'll kiss in a week. You know, like he's going to like, and the same thing when I have cold sore, like I, I have herpes, I, have, I get cold sores. And if I get, a, I sometimes don't know I've got it until I've got it. And then mm. it was like contagious a few days before. And I do take um, the antiretrovirals, but they're hard on my body. So I don't take them every single day. I take them like when I'm having outbreaks and we've been together a long time and Steve does not have it. Like he has not gotten it from me, but there may be a day where he does, but we had, to, we talk about it. But if he was, when I first told him I had it, if he was a dick to me, that's it. Like it's a part of my life. It's a part of being with me. And like, if he's going to be a dick about it, good luck finding someone who doesn't have it. Like, you know what I mean? Like have a good time with that. But like, um, yeah. Just go get the Abreva and cut it out. Okay. Go get the Abreva. And honestly, the medicine, the Valtrex, it's, I mean, I, I don't remember. It's Valacicrolar or something. Like I, I just butchered so. that. But like the, um, uh, the, the, the meds, your doctor can prescribe you the meds. And some people, mm-hmm. again, depending on your, how frequent your flare-ups are, depending on how sexually active you are, depending on all of the factors of your personal life. Some people take it every day just to suppress that immune response. And some people take it just when they have flare-ups and some people, you know, you have choices, but they really help. I, it completely changed my life when I started taking that medicine, when that medicine became available. And also I used to think that Valtrex was just for genital herpes. I didn't realize again, because mm-hmm. we were raised sort of to think of them as separate. And yeah. I didn't realize that as somebody with cold sores that I even had that as an option until I was in my thirties. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if you're sitting at home and no one's ever told you, you get cold sores, go to your doctor and ask for Valtrex. Like it is life-changing medicine. So yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> <For today. laughs> Another <All> <laughs> So um, the next uh, STI we'll talk about is HIV and AIDS. Um, HIV is the virus associated with AIDS, and it can be transmitted by an exchange of bodily fluids, including semen, vaginal secretions, breast milk, and blood. Um, It cannot be transmitted through casual contact. So currently, most people with HIV are treated with a combination of drugs known as highly active antiretroviral excuse me, antiretroviral therapy, or known as H-A-A-R-T, or combined antiretroviral therapy, C-A-R-T. And although these therapies cannot cure the disease, they can significantly reduce the likelihood that the infection will progress to a... Oh, they can make it so that you will not transmit the virus. So yeah, it's called U equals U. undetectable equals untransmittable. So if you have HIV and you are in treatment now, I I will say not every person can get to undetectable, Mm -hmm. but a large majority of people, especially depending on, again, how early you get tested and how early you get into treatment, it make a big difference in this, but uh, you can get on treatment and get your viral count, the amount of the virus that's in your body so low as to be what they call undetectable, which means like it doesn't show up on like 
the, their testing equipment and they know that it's not cured, but mm -hmm. it is undetectable. And if you have an undetectable viral load for, I think it's like six months as they want you to maintain undetectable status, mm -hmm. um, you cannot sexually transmit the virus to someone else. So um, that does not, I know there's some caveats around um, like needle sharing and transmission, like, right. like, but um, I, and I don't know, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I don't have expertise around that specific caveat, but in terms of sexual transmission of the virus, if you have undetectable status, you cannot sexually transmit the virus, even if you're not wearing condoms. So that's yeah. fantastic. I mean, we've come such a long way from when we first discovered AIDS um, or HIV. So yeah, that's, that's incredible. The U equals U. Awesome. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it is amazing, but if you, you have to stay on treatment, so it's not like you can right. be on the treatment, yes. get to undetectable and then stop doing treatment because again, yeah. it's not a cure. You have to stay in your treatment. And then the other, oh, I don't want to step on the next thing you're going to say. So I'll let you set up. Oh, no, no, no. I can just see like, from just like the vaccine is not a cure. <laughs> Yes, you saw, the yes. same category. You, yes. you don't understand how so much in this time, what's going on with COVID, how it ties into things that we talk about as far as sexual mm -hmm. anything right now. The Absolutely. comparison is like so like, oh yeah, yeah. Aha moments. Amazing. Yes. 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 Okay. <sighs> so and I know you're really excited to talk about this, Angel. So I'm I excited to learn more about it. <laughs> Um, so there is a preventative medicine that is available. I was like, oh, PrEP is new. This is uh, PrEP is called pre-exposure <laughs> prophylactis. And I'm, and I'm thinking like, I knew about it, but I'm like, oh, it's that, this is like a new thing. And then <laughs> Angel, was comment. Through, but Angel was going through our outline and, and they were like, it's been around since 2012. And I'm like, I refuse to, I refuse to accept that 2012 was 10 years ago. 10 years ago. That's new. So, I mean, historically that is new. So yeah. essentially like what prep is, prep is like, I, I tell people like, cause people understand this. It's like, a birth control pill, but it's for a great, HIV. Great commercial. Great commercial. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, I love commercials PrEP commercials. So PrEP is a pill. You Right now it's a pill. It's a pill you take once a day to prevent HIV. Just like with birth control, you want to take it at the same time every day, just as prescribed. If you aren't taking it as prescribed, it's the efficacy is reduced. Like you skip a birth control pill, you need to double up with your condoms. Um, but if you are so if, if I am, let's say that I'm in a long-term relationship with someone who has HIV, um, they're in treatment, they may or may not be at undetectable status. I can take PrEP every day to prevent myself. Um, but if, um, if they're undetectable, I may, I may decide to come off of PrEP like it. So, um, again, like that's a decision I would make with my doctor or with my, you know, healthcare specialist, but they're, uh, both both U equals U and PrEP are so highly effective as to be independently good options for, for prevention outside of condom use, outside of other things. But if you want like your best, best, we tell people don't stop using condoms if you're using PrEP because mm -hmm. PrEP is specifically about HIV prevention. It's not about pregnancy prevention or other STI prevention. So it's mm -hmm. not like this um, steel wall that keeps everything out, but it it does um, prevent HIV transmission. And I, I think there are only like like they're like, they're less than five. And when I, the last number I knew it's been a few years and it was like two, but transmissions of people who used prep as prescribed, who were HIV, like on the books, like five mm. or less, I think. And I have to look that up now that we're, we'll keep talking and I'll, I'll look that up to make sure I'm right. But, um, that's, that's incredible. Put the link that's, in the chat side note. Yeah. 
I will. Um, and so recently, the FDA approved an injectable version of PrEP. Yeah. Um, and after the initial um, injections, then it has to be maintained, you know, every two months. But it's still, it's not on the market yet. It's just approved right now. Is that? It's Yeah. So it's FDA approved. And I think part of the issue with getting it out. So I'm going to, okay, I'm going to go back real quick and address the thing I said before, and then I'll talk about sure. that. So yeah. I can't, I'm, I can't find the exact number. If I find it before we publish, I'll send it to you, but I can't find the exact number of like number of transmissions, but what the guidance is so that we can be the most accurate is that it's 99% effective against transmission Fantastic. for sexual transmission. And it's 74% effective against um, needle sharing transmission. Mm -hmm. So it's again, better than not using anything, right? And let's double it up with condoms and really be superheroes out there. In terms of the injection, it's soup that is super, super, super new. Like in the last few weeks, um, that 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 came out. I don't know. Um, I think a lot of it is uh, access. So uh, it's very expensive when new drugs come out, they're very expensive at first. And so they're not really accessible to a lot of people. But I think right. that will be preferable for folks because once you kind of you get like a certain number of injections, like at the beginning of your treatment, mm -hmm. and then instead of a pill a day it's like one shot every two months. Right. And, and so a lot easier to maintain. Yes, it is a lot easier to maintain. You're a lot less, again, it takes that human error out. It's like the difference between the birth control shot or like an implant versus mm. like, um, getting like taking a pill every day. Like if you're mm -hmm. not, if, if you don't have, and the thing too, about the pills every day, um, is it's, a, it requires a different relationship with a healthcare provider. So you may not have access to that. It requires a different relationship with a pharmacy. You may not have access to that. Like it just requires a little bit more from people on a lot of areas where that every two months, an injection cuts out so many barriers for, for care, but I imagine they will do similar programs. Like right now, if you're trying to get prep almost anywhere in the U S there are programs to get prep for free to you. So, um, you, if you cannot afford prep, like there are programs out there that will make sure that you can get it. And there are organizations like locally, we have an organization that will buy your um, health insurance to help pay for your prep and help pay for your doctor's visits that go into your prep. And so That's in amazing. addition, so in addition to getting prep care, you also get other health care because the organization is paying for your health insurance. And so That's um, amazing. Yeah, yeah there's a, that's awesome. There are government grants out there specifically designed to with this. So and same thing for people in HIV treatment, there are government grants and programs out there that will help you get total healthcare as part of your HIV healthcare. So fantastic. Okay. So let's talk about just two more uh, um, STIs. Uh, we have gonorrhea and gonorrhea again, very common. Um, it's a bacterial infection. Symptoms of gonorrhea include burning when urinating. Um, in men, there might be, or penis owners, um, white, yellow, or green discharge from the penis. Sometimes people are asymptomatic, meaning that they don't show symptoms, but the bacteria can still affect them and it can still be passed to another person. Um, gonorrhea can also infect the throat be passed and be passed by oral sex. And while it's treatable, there is a growing concern about antibiotic resistant gonorrhea. Super gonorrhea. Yes. That's like the, that's, no, that's like the official medical term is super gonorrhea. It is antibacterial or uh, antibiotic resistant. When we say growing concern, we're not talking about like, you're going to go out and get it today. Right, like right. it's something that medical professionals are aware exists in the mm -hmm. world. Um, and it is something to think about. And again, your best course of action is what? Condom, wrap it up, yep. cover it up, everything. Yeah. And then what, right? Get wrap it up. This. Yes, Getting exactly. Tested. Yeah. 
protection and testing. Like those are your two best mm -hmm. things, but gonorrhea is curable. Um, yes. so you just take an antibiotic. It, it's like, so that was actually was a better strep throat comparison. Um, it's a very similar virus in your body to strep throat. Like it does similar things and, but it affect, it can affect your genitals too. Um, but yet yeah, you can get it in your throat, which I think freaks people out if they've never thought about that before. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it also, it, what it also tells us is that when we're thinking about testing, if you can, and not everybody has access to this, but if you can access a place that does comprehensive testing, then they're mm -hmm. going to do blood testing. They're going to do urine testing, but they're also going to do swab testing. So swab testing is where they swab your cervix, they swab your anus, they swab your throat. And that swab testing can detect some of these things a lot sooner than urine and blood testing will be able to do it. Sometimes by the time it makes it to your urine or your bloodstream, the symptoms are more advanced and it's a little harder to treat. And it can make you feel, it can have some funky effects on your body where a swab mm -hmm. test will get it really quickly. And so, um, I, I definitely encourage people who have access to swab testing. If you go to like a regular GP to your testing and never offered it to you. It might just be because no one's asking for it. Your GP will likely order the swabs to do swab testing for you if you ask. So just again, advocate for your own healthcare. Again, if you have access to a GP, I know that resources are varied, but that's so mouth, don't get fed. Everybody got to yeah. gotta speak up. Closed mouth doesn't get fed. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Okay, and then so the last one I wanted to talk about was the human papillomavirus HPV, and this is, I think, the most common STI. Um, HPV has many different strains, but there are a few that are closely uh, associated with causing cervical cancer. Um, others can cause other forms of cancer, but most don't cause cancer. Um, they can cause things like genital warts or other types of warts, or they may not even have symptoms at all. Like again, like I said before, there's a wide variety of strains of HPV. Um, HPV does have a vaccine that prevents many of these strains and the strains that are most associated with cervical cancer. Um, and everyone through age 26 can get vaccinated for HPV. So do you have any more to add for that? Up to age 45, they change the age limit. Oh, great. Yes. Age so okay. it's not so talk to your healthcare provider. I think there are things that can like, not everyone is going to be a good candidate for, um, that, but yeah, they've approved in because us, because us people born in the eighties, were not getting that, which were, right. if you have a teenage child now, that is one of their shots that they have to get now so they not are good we were not oh not in florida i'm so sorry but here definitely it's so much <laughs> it's like in the optional turn, box yeah no as soon as they turn 11 here that's one of their things um when they're um getting i think their last one is like 16 17 did your kids yell at you because it hurts um they don't like shots in, in general in general so it's kind of like okay they just so, don't i remember mine and like the first two didn't hurt but then the, the last one i got did hurt a, a bit well, well, well i'll pay attention because my daughter hasn't gotten her third one yet and i don't think mm -hmm. my son started yet i have to check but so i'll keep that in the back of my mind to share with others in the same kind of group who have to go through that last one with their kids 
My well, youngest I, didn't seem to mind that has only had the first one, but my mm-hmm. oldest has had two, like he hasn't had a third one yet. But, um, I, I remember when I took my oldest to get his, he was like, so in, he was mad at me because it, they did one and it hurt him. And then he thought it was over and he had to have the other one right then. Oh, and no. he was just like, why are you so mad at me? He did it, you know, but, it, and, and we talked about like, it's this, you know, it, right. it's like a cancer vaccine. Like we talked about what it was, but oh my God, he was so mad about how much it hurt and my youngest didn't again didn't have the same reaction but i just remember like that really stuck with me i was like oh poor kid mm-hmm. the trauma <laughs> the trauma of the needles with the children trauma, i know i know feel bad guys don't feel don't no don't feel take anyway. your kids get there and you go get your shots if you're an adult and you haven't done this yet go find out about it this and hepatitis there's also um mm-hmm. vaccines for hepatitis not every strain but there's vaccines for hepatitis get your vaccines yes. get vaccines get vaccines get vaccines we are a pro-vax organization pro-science vaccines save lives that's awesome (laughs) okay so yeah so i i didn't realize it was up to age 45 so that's that's fantastic okay so let's get into some faqs and misconceptions um so the first question that i think people will have are how often should i get tested i feel like and this is just because this is on opinion-based kind of thing. If you are with multiple people, I feel like every time you change a partner, you need to get tested. If you feel like um, annually, every six months for your comfort, I, I think it's on a comfort and a um, respect level. <laughs> um, if it kind of makes like sense. Behavior. Yeah, it's yeah. like you knew you was with three people last week. Don't wait for your six months, kind of. You know, you knew that you weren't as safe as you should have, and uh, go earlier, and you know, kind of go ahead and do it. Pick up a test, have a few here, and you know, just have them in your home. Give them as a party gift. I don't know, you know, just try to make light of it because I think sometimes people make it so heavy that it becomes something they don't want to talk about because it becomes heavy. Like, so don't make it that heavy. I, I want to keep my body and I want you to keep yours and I want it to be healthy. And so let's just do it together. <laughs> Some people go as a couple, right? Keep yeah, people go we as do. couples we to do. get tested. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it easier and, and not, you don't feel this thing of a heaviness because I'm going to support you and you're going to support me. Like, you know. I think it makes a great date night. Go get tested, then go get your froyo. You get to have a conversation. There you go. So this is the example or not the example, the kind of guidance that we've always offered people is if you're monogamous or you're in a relationship where monogamy is the expectation, um, I don't want to ever disparage any individual person's partner, but we know the statistics on monogamy is that it's not perfect and that even with the best intentions, people just don't always stay monogamous and that uh, people in relationships that are assumed monogamous if they do step outside of the relationship, they're less likely to use um, condoms because they don't already have them with them. They're not already having conversations about condoms. They don't want to get caught having condoms with them because that will like allude to the infidelity. And mm-hmm. so um, I tell everybody that I that asks me for my opinion on it. And when we were in um, when we were specialists, you know, what we would say to people is if you're in a relationship that you think is monogamous, still do it once a year. If you are having sex at least once a year, just make it part of your preventive. You go in for your physical, you do your other stuff, you get your other blood work done, just 
ask for this too. When you're getting tested, ask for, um, you know, ask them, what am, what are you testing me for? Right. Because, um, the CDC will recommend like chlamydia, gonorrhea, maybe HIV, depending on what part of the country you live in. They won't, there's like seven things they can test for that are pretty common and you might be getting tested for three or four. So kind of ask your physician, like, what are you testing me for and see what you can get. Um, but yeah, once a year, if you are, if you have multiple partners or you're having like semi-frequent sex with multiple partners, then we say, um, every three to six months. Um, every, after every single partner, depending on how much sex you're having, or depending on like how often you're having sex, um, it might be too soon. So, and then give you like a false sense of security. So like, let's say I had a new partner last week and then I meet someone new to have sex with this week. The, the best way to keep everyone safe in that scenario is to use barriers and be honest and just say like, this is what's happening. And there are lots of other things we can do if, if I'm not in everybody's like safe zones, but there's an incubation period for how long different tests or different things can show up on different tests. And so you may, if you get tested too soon, you may get a negative test that really is, this just didn't have time to show up in the testing. And so, and like some tests are sensitive. We talked about some types of tests are more sensitive than others, like Mm -hmm. swab tests, urine tests, blood tests. Those are going to have different levels of sensitivity. A finger prick test versus like a blood draw test is going to be a different level of sensitivity because of like the liquid they use to like react with your blood. So I, every three to six months is like, it's soon enough that you're detecting things in time to get treated and communicate about them. It's long enough that it gives the, that incubation period. So if you're really, really sexually active every three months, I have some friends who, um, are non-monogamous and very, very sexually active. The two of them, they're in a couple, but the two of them very sexually active and they do every six months, but they alternate their six months. So somebody in the couple is getting tested every three months, like the way that it's alternating. And so they're having, so between them testing and they just tell their partners, like, this is how we do it. If you're feeling symptomatic, go to a physician, go to a healthcare professional, but most of the time you won't be symptomatic. And so that, um, I, I'd say three All months. All I hear is COVID in this whole conversation. <laughs> yes, absolutely. When you Dude. test positive for COVID, do not test again because you can get a false positive on your PCR. Once you've tested positive, wait three months to test again. All I hear is COVID. Just the similarities are yes. astounding at this point. And you know yes, why? you're right, Angel, because when you go to the doctor, when I go to the doctor for my annual, they always say, I said, listen, I get it. I understand he would already be dead, but that's just my personal preference. So no, you don't have to do it, but they do ask you and they, and they do yeah. tell you which one they will give you. So when you go for annual, they do ask, they do all the time. Now I will say that is not, again, I think your healthcare department is doing a better job. That is not the case everywhere. Like here, you're very unlikely to be asked to get STI testing, especially if you are married. If you are married, you, it is very, very, very unlikely. I'm in Florida. I'm in the South. Um, it is very unlikely that a doctor will ask me to, they'll ask about HIV testing because there's laws around it. Mm-hmm. And you have to like opt in or opt out, but otherwise, like they're not going to ask you about testing unless you bring it up. And then again, sometimes I had to, I've had to push, I've had to like, when I've asked for it, I've had to then justify why I want it. Oh, do you think you're cheating on you? This, that like, no, I'm not monogamous. Like, but honestly, <laughs> if I'm asking for routine healthcare, like it yeah, shouldn't, you shouldn't matter. Right. Right. Shouldn't be a question. 
here, I, I, oh, well, you know, there's a small scenario. One nurse was kind of like, pushing that you sure? Because you guys are kind of young. So I was like, mess. Oh, wow. That's presumptuous. <laughs> right. Like, so, what a, so what a on comment. Bo- on both spectrum was like, yeah, like, I'm at, because I, I feel like it but today. Like, or I don't. Oh, but you're, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, you were talking about the similarities to COVID, and I just had this thought about, it's not because there's something special about like, it's yes, similarities to COVID, but honestly, um, it's because your sexual healthcare is just part of your healthcare. There's not Mm -hmm. something special about STIs that makes them some kind of weird, magical thing. So this, these lessons we're learning because of COVID, everybody's very aware of their healthcare in a different way than they are used to being. We're used to hearing things like wear a mask, wash your hands, get tested, get treatment, stay away from people. If you think you might be sick, like very basic healthcare instructions that honestly we should be doing. If we think we have the flu, we should be doing during strep throat season. We should be doing like all the time when we're in these seasons of illness where illness spreads, STIs are not different than that. They're not some other planet of thing that only affects gross people or whatever. Like STIs are an inevitability. If you are an adult having sex, like just, just like if you left the house, you would eventually be not surprised if you got a cold, like of will everyone get an STI? No. Will a lot, most people in their lives get or know someone who gets an STI? The answer is yes. Not because you're gross, not because you're making mistakes, not because you're evil, not because there's something wicked about you, but because like when people play together, they get sick, like human bodies make each other sick and that's it. And so these healthcare lessons we're learning in these other spaces, like you're, you keep spotting it and it's so brilliant and so good for people like that same openness with which everybody's posting their, um, tests of their COVID tests and talking about getting tested <laughs> yes. and talking about like do yes. the things, like be proud of taking care of yourself. Actually, I will say, uh, <laughs> there is some, consideration. I am very open about my testing status with my HIV, my HIV, my STI testing. I'm very open. Not everyone will be open about their STI status in a public way for very legitimate safety reasons to their personal health, because people are horrible and unkind. And so I'm not saying it just because you would post your COVID test online means you have to post your like HIV test online or whatever. Like I'm not saying that. Um, I am just saying, I wish globally we would think we would reduce the stigma so people would just take care of themselves and be on the same level like you know here lines are wrapped around the corner for this thing because someone coughed you know what i'm saying when you felt an itchy in your throat or you felt an itchy down below you should have ran to the same thing and went you know and did something about that if you weren't sure if it wasn't normal to you but we're not doing that because again like you said only icky people this happens. This is not a true thing, you know? And I just want to touch on this a little bit when people talk about a thing like, you know, yeast infection. When people hear that someone has that, they're like, oh, you're gross, you're disgusting. But some women, that's just how their bodies produce. Some women get one every time after their period. And what can they possibly do about it? Do not oh stigmatize people. And um, men can get yeast, okay? Yes. 
Oh my gosh. That happens so that happens so much. These infections are such a good example. That happens so many times. You'll get we would get someone in the clinic with like repeated yeast infections, and they're like, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know why I can't get rid of this. It's because their male partner, their penis having partner, is not getting treating the yeast infection. And their penis having partner also has overactive yeast, and they're passing this back to their partner every time. So the partner's getting treated and they keep catching this yeast infection from their partner because they didn't get treated. And so like I encourage folks, both of you go ahead and do the treatment. If this is happening like repeatedly, if you go home, you get treated, you get it right back. Either let's change your soap or like, let's, you know, there's things, but like, so anything you, you eat something funny. I, again, I'm out myself. If I drink too much beer, I will get Mm -hmm. one because it messes with my pH and my yeast in my body so fast. So if I have like a big, like wings and beer night, I'm like, shoot, I got to call my doctor and be like, can you send me a pill to pharmacy? Cause I know, I know it's going to happen to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Some people, if they take, (laughs) for me, if I take antibiotics, my doctor always gives me one for after that, Mm -hmm. because sometimes it may happen. So don't let these things make you feel like you're the, you know what I'm saying? And people are just, Ooh, we just need the knowledge. That's why we're here. The three of us to share this thing because it's we just need to get rid of it don't make people feel yucky about themselves this is not nice darn it (laughs) you're not yucky you're normal even normal i mean generally (laughs) and generally bodies are kind of yucky like bodies are weird bodies are weird and they do weird gross stuff and everybody's body does weird and gross stuff and it doesn't make you a yucky person and it doesn't make you a weird and gross person it just means you have like a human body and like so let's take care of our human bodies exactly we need to stop moralizing sti status just it yes 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 okay um get on a button (laughs) so so do we have any because i think like we covered basically all the questions that I would have kind of gone through. Um, do we have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, I would say again, I'm just going to keep saying it because it's just really sensitive for me. I don't like people to feel like they can't be themselves or that if they say the slightest thing, if you even have a conversation with a friend, and be like, oh, you know, uh, I was feeling this thing. Oh, you got like, mm, don't do it. Just find out about your body. See if it's something that's common that's happening with you. Pay attention to the signs. Have that conversation with yourself first, with your doctor first, and if you need to, with your partner or partners. Don't be afraid of that because you don't know, maybe they're having the same symptoms and you guys can get together and figure it out so you won't keep, like Angel said, ping-ponging this thing back and forth and back and forth and it never goes anywhere. Yeah. These things don't feel comfortable. They're not fun. <laughs> that's something Normalize we want to be having, having all day. <laughs> Normalize having those discussions because yeah. I feel like yes. it's, it's, there's so much shame and so much stigma that you want to like hide that mm. from someone and you know you got to be talking about it at least especially with your partner especially with people that you're currently having and children. if you have younger children if you have children in general but mm-hmm. because nowadays and kids don't understand for now you know young kids sex is oral for them sex is not penetration sex is oral, oral. so we because need to let them understand the throat stuff because it's because they it. think that it's safer and it's like safer is different than Mm risk-free. And so there's this fear of like sex doesn't, or not fear, but there's this misconception for youngins that like sex doesn't really count if it's oral. And so then we don't have to worry about the risks or any of the like consequences. And then 
and that's dangerous to them and they deserve this information. And so even though it's really scary to think of your kids as like up and coming sexual beings, we don't want to wait until our kids are having the sex to talk to them about sex. It's just like, you don't toss your kid keys to a car and then be like, Oh, by the way, let's teach you how to drive. Like, you know what I mean? Like you want to like, yeah. we, t- they ride in cars with us. They learn about car safety. We raise them into it. They have to have like, you know, we teach them before we let them alone on the freeway. Like, and so same thing with, with sex stuff. Like there is a lifespan approach to talking mm-hmm. to your children about sexual safety. And it does start with things like teaching them about wearing masks and washing their hands during COVID. When we teach ourselves, our kids to prioritize their healthcare in other ways, they also learn to prioritize their healthcare in this way. And it seems to be expected and they expect it from their partners and they're more comfortable with the conversations because they've been having them so long. And so I, there's two resources that I like to send people to in terms of having conversations with your kids, uh, sex positive families, the website, sex positive families, I think it's .com, but, um, I know you can like double check. Yeah, I'll, I'll double check it, yeah. Um, they have, they, they will, uh, give you that like lifespan. So whatever age group your kids are in, they're going to give you like age appropriate um, information. And then um, the STI project is run by Janelle. So the first one's run by Melissa Carnegie and then uh, Janelle Marie Pierce runs the STI project and she offers a ton of information and resources. And actually we did and Tickle Tickle did an interview with um, Janelle Pierce on the Tickle.life podcast. So if you want to link to that in the show notes, um, it was a really good interview. uh, on the Tickle.life podcast last season. So, all right. So that's all for this episode of Back to Basics. Thank you to our listeners for joining us. And thank you, Angel, for once again being with us today. Um, please hit that follow or subscribe button to get notified when new episodes go live. And if you like what you hear, please consider giving us a review wherever you're listening to help other folks find us. If there's a question that you want us to answer, please send an email to podcast at tickle.life. That's podcast with a T singular at tickle.life. And if you want to follow Angel, you can check out professorsex.com. And you can check out all the podcasts on the tickle.life platform, including Angel's podcast, uh, Sex Ed Speakeasy. And we have another awesome podcast called Talking About Sex, Tell Me Your Story, hosted by Linnea Marie and Calandra Belfour. So yeah, we'll see you next week, everyone, with our next episode. Bye, y'all. Bye, everyone.